remade this. I went to party in the park at Normanby Hall yesterday. At where? Normanby Hall, it's in Scunthorpe. Sounds like it's on the beaches of France. <laughs> no, that's Normandy. Oh, okay. It was uh, lots of um, tribute acts for Ooh. bands that I don't like. So so have you like got an Oasis one? It was... Um, a Jam one, The Who, other shit mod bands. Uh, no, it was Ed Sheeran. Oh, okay. Gary Barlow. Did Gary Barlow have any actual singles? Um, yes, but luckily, gauging just... the audience correctly, he just basically sang lots of Take That songs. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Can you name me a Gary Barlow song? Um, no, I can't. <laughs> I know that there are some. that My mum really likes Gary Barlow, because mums do. I'm going to have to have a look Well, now. maybe not your mum. <laughs> no, my mum likes Cradle of Filth. <laughs> Let me... Uh... Just see what songs Gary Barlow has had. There was also a Little Mix tribute and the Greatest Showman act. Ugh. So I've not seen that film, but I'm sick of hearing it. To be, we went for my sister, and she really, really loved it. So that was good. But it wasn't. None of it was really my cup of tea. But I, you know, it was as enjoyable as it was more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Okay, so Gary Barlow. Num- Number one singles, you got Forever Love, Love Won't Wait, you got Female, and uh, Sing. And apparently I did a couple of number twos as well. <laughs> Every other song is a number two. <laughs> Second, the cat's shouting. I don't even know Daisy could speak. Every time she meows at me, she doesn't even make a sound. Oh, Matt, Rin. Yes. What are you doing? Come on. Yeah, I can see you. What do you want? As our special guest, Daisy. Go on in. What's she doing? Oh, Daisy. If she wants attention, she just shouts. She goes into another room and just shouts shit. Yeah. Come on. I'm just give me a microphone and go bashing by the way. Oh, she's yeah. gone under the bed. It's like I keep forgetting to keep the door open because she's quieter if you just let her walk in. Yeah. Hello. Hi. I've been sat with you all day and you've been ignoring me. That's why she wants to see me. <laughs> the cat pervert himself. That's that's another thing she likes to do. Sit literally two inches out of your way so you have to reach out to grab her. She wants to be play hard to get without being That's hard it. to get. Oh, what's Podcast cancelled, I'm stroke of a cat. Do you need the uh, intro or can you remember it? <laughs> I can't remember it but I'll give it a go anyway. Okay. Hello and welcome to Without a Mouse the podcast where we review live action Disney films on the hunt for a hidden gem. Close enough. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Daisy. Hello, Daisy. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Tim as well, I guess. Hi, Tim. Hello. You're not Daisy, though, are you? So, yeah. No, I'm not as interesting or as exciting as a cat just sat next to you, doing nothing. I mean, you won't let me st- uh, stroke you, so, you know. Oh, you've never asked. No, that's true. <laughs> I'm not going to start now. 
<laughs> oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> we uh, we are back with more Disney reviewing, and this time I thought we'd go for a film people have heard of. Hooray! <laughs> Although we've started doing that a lot more recently. Yeah, I think it's good to look at the more well-remembered films just to see if they are, you know, if they hold up. Yeah, instead of just going for ones about uh, mules that kick footballs and a duck that shits gold. But eventually we're going to have to return to this I dark am, age of cinema. <laughs> I am acutely aware of that. I'm, I'm really indulging in like popular stuff at the minute, but we will get back to the... Dark Ages of Bland 70s Cinema. But for now, we're going to revisit virtually every Saturday afternoon on ITV from the years 1997 to about 2004 <laughs> with Cool Runnings. Um, just before we start as well, um, quick update on the Lego minifigures that I promised you last week. Oh yes, yeah. Still haven't found them. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> I'm wondering if I've thrown them in the bin. Like, we've we've rip the house to pieces to try and find them yeah. and I've literally no idea where I've put them I've that's, that's going to be like an unrunning plot like on the final episode like episode 490 of Without a Mouse you're going to go oh by the way here's some minifigures well maybe if we set up a Patreon now by the end of the year we'll have raised £3 to uh, get you another <laughs> another minifigure bot never mind Patreon we need another Twitter page yeah I was going to say that's the other bit of news we've managed well I say we I've managed to get our account locked on yeah. Twitter I, I've got nothing to do with the Twitter account so <laughs> so all those jokes last week about um, Parent, Parent Trap 411 we, that might actually end up being our Twitter handle we'll have to sort something yeah. out but we're still going on Instagram oh good that's fantastic where we've got way less followers. <laughs> yeah. I think you should go with uh, a bit of a slight misspelling, so without a moose. Yeah, or like, without a mouse podcast, the podcast where we watch and review. Or <laughs> without a Twitter. I wonder if you actually allow Twitter in your Twitter handle. That's a good question, actually, I don't know. Yeah. Or is it, you know, forbidden? I know if there are some sites, like I don't think on Facebook, you're allowed your address to be like, I don't know, Willy Facebook. Timothy Facebook. Yeah. He sounds legit. He does indeed. He sells you cheap shoes. <laughs> on what, on Grinsby swaps and sales? Yeah, and uh Ray Bans for twenty quid. They <laughs> just sorry, I just stroke Daisy some more. Yeah, you're gonna get very sidetracked now, aren't you? I am, yeah. You look at her. I'm gonna have to take some photos to accompany the Instagram. For the listeners at home, uh Daisy's gone from the floor now onto the bed. So she's uh easier access for Chris's stroking. Yeah. And <laughs> and she's sat on my phone as well, so if I need to look up any information at IMDP, I'm so fucked. <laughs> Just kick her. She's I'm she don't mind. I'm not kicking her. She's I'm, used to being uh dethroned. I'm stroking her. Look at her. Beautiful cat. If you're listening to this Millie, you know, that's my cat at home. Be more like this. <laughs> She's a bit of a recluse, is your cat, is she? No, she just like very loves my mum and no one else. Right. Yeah. Well, Daisy prefers Kirsty over me. Like mm. she'll de- she'll prefer to go sit with Kirsty. That's because you kick her. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's because Kirsty is a lot nicer to her, so that's fair enough, really. Aww. Yeah. So, um, going back on track, uh, bobsled track that is. <laughs> oh. Uh, have you seen Cool Runnings before? I mean, surely it's it's a classic. Yeah, I can't remember when, but it's one of those films that I'm pretty sure I only saw for the first time less than ten years ago. Oh, really? So I was a late bloomer to this one. Mm. But um, yeah, 
had fond memories of it, so I was looking forward to uh, getting back to it. Yeah. Well, as a, I'm the other way. I, I saw it quite a lot when I was younger, but I'm sure I've not seen this since at least 2001. So, when we went to Disneyland Paris in 2016, we um, got an Airbnb at this big uh, cottage in the outskirts of Paris. And they had loads of old uh, VHSs. They didn't have a VHS player anymore, but you know, like when <laughs> someone's ditched the VHS player but not the VHSs, just oh, yeah, yeah. piled up in a corner. And they had the French uh, VHS of Cool Runnings, uh, which is called Rasta Rocket. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we thought that was pretty funny. I thought you were going to say it was called Local Runnings. <laughs> that was when, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, when we watched um, Tarzan in French and Phil Collins still sings the songs in that version, but in French. Right, he, okay. He, he'd actually recorded all the songs in French. It was really cool. That's such a Phil Collins thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, that man always seems to have had too much time on his hands. You're for a really world famous musician. Yeah. I know, I'll sing him in bloody Swahili next. No, that's the Lion King. That's Elton John. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, by the time he says come out, have you seen The Lion King yet? No, and I have no interest in doing so. In fact, uh, my sister Tilly's invited me around tomorrow to watch the old version of The Lion King Fair enough. rather than go to the cinema and watch it. <laughs> um, have you read anything about its release, like any reviews or anything? Um,. Pretty middling. I, I've, I've heard a couple of things, but it's all just pretty. Yeah, they're just so realistic that there's not a lot of fun to be had from it. Yeah, especially with the animation. There's they've basically even like the gravity and the weight of the animal means that they're not jumping about or anything. They're just even in the songs they're just walking about. Mm. The most sort of positive review I heard was basically just saying. It's still The Lion King, but at the same time, why bother? Like, everything that's good about it is what was good in the original, so... Well, why bother to make money? Well, yes, exactly, to make money. Yeah, because as you described, I think it was a Tomorrowland episode, they've got no imagination, and they don't take any risks. Absolutely. They yeah. were, from what I've heard, the only, it's, there's no risk-taking at all in this film. Um, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm bitching about a film I've not even seen, but... You know, hmm. one of the other things that I saw was, um, I think it was Lindsay Ellis on Twitter had said that the actual voice acting is really subdued, and she reckons that obviously they have to be quite sort of downplaying the acting because if they were more over the top and more animated with their voices, it would look stupid on these animals that are not doing anything. Yeah. So they've even had to make decisions you, like that. Which... They've had to feed everyone antidepressants before they went into the recording studio. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. So, um, yeah. I, yeah it, there's nothing about it that's made me want to go and see it yet. So, Joyless children's films. Can you imagine, you know, the next generation, like doing a podcast like this, what your Disney memories? Yeah, watch the photorealistic warthog. That's the other thing. Fine. I don't understand who the audience is for it. Apart, I suppose it's supposed to be us because it doesn't really look particularly interesting to a kid. Mm. Like all the trailers have been cut quite blandly. I've thought none of the trailers have had any songs in them, not even a snippet. I've seen one with a slight snippet in right towards the end. I think when I saw Toy Story Five the other week. Right. Oh, they do the in the jungle bit where they're just like. No. Oh, they, have you seen another bit? They did. Uh, can't remember the blue names now. Hakuna Matata. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> God, it shows how long it's been since I've watched The Lion King. Yeah. Or, or the animated series 
with the Warthog of America. I can't remember the names now. Timon and Pumbaa. Thank you. As if you can't even remember that. Uh, what are you doing on a Disney podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I took you to rescue once and suddenly this is my penance for it. <laughs> yeah, lol. Right. So yeah, I've got a new notebook. Started my second notebook already. Fantastic. That's the first time in 10 years that I've ever completely filled a notebook as well. Like... I do the thing where yeah, I get about two thirds towards the end and I think, okay, I'm going to buy a new one now. <laughs> but I'm still on my uh, miniature Super Mario one because I've still not taken my other notebooks out from the car. Yep. And uh, although I am going to buy a new notebook, uh, we were supposed to originally record this a couple of days ago, but I was busy. Uh, I committed myself to building an IKEA desk and I started on the Monday. I was working late on Tuesday, so I couldn't do it then. And by Wednesday night, I was still putting it all together. So I had to like, text you and say, it's not going to happen. A Monday night is like the worst time to start building an IKEA piece of furniture, surely. It is, yeah. <laughs> like, back to work that day, and then you're going to put yourself through that when you get home. Yep. That purgatory. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, cool run-ins. Uh, I wrote down the uh, description on Disney Life again. Okay. Uh, so it said, based on a true story, this is a comedic saga of four Jamaican athletes going to extremes to compete as bobsled racers at the Winter Olympics. Yeah, that's pretty apt. Yeah. Yeah. Accurate. I'd, there's something about the way it says, this is a comedic saga. <laughs> Just the way that's worded made me feel, it's a bit odd. A bit of an odd way of... It's like saying, this is a sci-fi film. This is a horror film. I don't think anyone's getting confused five five minutes in what kind of film we're going to get. No, it's a film that, um, from the outset, does not falter in its purpose at all, does it? No, not at all. (laughs) But, considering some of the tangents these films have gone off on, it was very refreshing. Yeah. Straightforward, down the middle, you know what you're getting. No surprises. Especially coming straight after the parent trap where the plot was stayed pretty similar, but we were like jumping all over the place yes, in that, weren't we? Indeed. Only the two countries in this film. Yep, thank God. So we start with our main character, uh Doris. Yep. And he's a sprinter looking to qualify for the Olympics. Yep. So there's the bit where he's like set out flags and he's gonna run the hundred metres through through some goalposts and some children are cheering him on. Yep, and it, you know, before you've even heard any dialogue, you can't confuse where this is set because it's he's practicing like overlooking the beach. Yeah, there's palm trees in the background. There's reggae music. Yeah, it's like sun beating down on everyone, and you, it's just like right, we're in Jamaica then. Uh, well, we're what, in the Caribbean. What they will say. So I think Hans Zimmer did the score for this. Right, yeah. Which, doing that sort of music just, I don't know, makes me think he's just watched a load of Lil adverts. So. <laughs> oh, God, you've just made me think of the Lil adverts for the first time in years. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what was the catchphrase for Lil? I can't remember. Uh, to- totally tropical. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And it was. Is Lil just an English thing? Yeah, I reckon so. I, I've I don't not... think I've ever seen it anywhere else, have you? I've not, no. I had a lilt today, believe it or not. I've not seen lilt on the shelf for ages. I was in Top Town. Yeah. Buying Outravine. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Is that like the only thing left in Top Town? This and, is and getting a, very niche. Outravine and a storage tub. Yeah. That was my shopping trip today. Freshly placed in Grimsby for all your <laughs> <crap>. <laughs> For all your lilt needs. <laughs> 
So after after we get this, uh, well, Doris is uh, running around little bits of Jamaica, and also establishes quite nicely that it's quite a poor place. Yeah, it's quite rustic, isn't yeah. it? Um, very. He's living in like a little market town. Yeah, and uh, everything's made out of like the sheets, and you get on roofs here. Yeah, like, that's people's entire buildings here, and crates and pallets and stuff. Lots of wood and metal, yeah. isn't it? Nineties um, as fuck though. Everybody's wearing like neon clothing and uh, lots of uh, caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, these days, um, like a couple from what we're wearing is basically oh, they're wearing it for pride. It's literally like. Saved by the Bell, the Jamaican class. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a version of a theme song I want to hear. With some steel drums and all that lot going on. I don't know why that's reminded... Well, I do know why that's reminded me. But um, I've watched this Ace um, YouTube channel called Scar Tune Network. Mm. And they do... It's this one person that does, like, Scar covers. Right. So he pl- they play every single instrument whilst they're performing. And they're doing the videos. But they do all sorts of random, like... They've done the theme tune to Arthur, which is pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> works really well as a, I mean, it's it's pretty funky anyway. The it is, yeah, yeah. Sense. But I would I would check them out. They've just done a cracking um, cover of "World of Pure Imagination" from um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, oh, yeah, yeah. which went up a couple of days ago. I'm a Patreon of them, and they're one of the few places where I do Patreon where. Literally any tier gets in the credits, so it's the the one video that I get to see my name rolling across on the credits. If you like, press pause at the right time and like that blur of lines, you see. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I'm only patron to one one person, and that's our Lord and Savior, Mr. Tony Black. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tone. I, I'm doc- also a, a patron of Tony. Yeah, yeah. I think Patreon.com/slash/AJBlackWriter, if I remember rightly. I think I pay something. So if you if you're a patron as well, yeah, we've. I think I've done like two or three quid to uh, our our mate Tone. I've fiver. Oh mate, well there we go. We've more than paid for our um, yeah <laughs> our hosting. We have at this point. I think uh, I've got the chance to force him to review anything I like <laughs> at one point. And I've already said to him, "Don't worry, I won't let you watch Raskin, but I might like." Having watched Batman and Robin or something. Well, he's already um, told us which film he wants to review for here, hasn't he? So yes, uh, yes. we'll have to get that arranged sometime soon. We do indeed. We got a shout out on uh, Pick a Disc. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just um, Tony was um, the guest on that. Yeah. Um, and so they were talking about all the other We Made This alumni that have done episodes. So we got a little shout out, which was nice. That's cool. Really good episode as well. Yep. They were reviewing um, an album by Lemon Jelly. Mm. Have you heard of them? I've not, no. I've been checking that out this week, and it's a yeah. really good album. They've got this, it's all like electronic stuff, but they do one that's got a sample that's just, all the ducks are swimming in the water, tra-la-la-la-la-la, tra-la-la-la-la-la, over and over again for a few minutes. Sounds really weird. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's called uh, Nice Weather for Ducks. You should listen to it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I will do. In fact... No, let's not play it now. We've got things we've got better things to do. Splice it in. And go. You are the piece. Now.
well off a tangent. Uh, <laughs> speaking of pick a disc, um, Matt Lieberman's library told me that my episode is by far away from the most popular one. He was tweeting about it the other day. Yeah. It's because you're famous. No, it's because everyone appreciates chocolate starfish and oh, hot dog flavoured water by Lieberman. Get biscuit. out of it. Get on. <laughs> You, what are you on about? It's a stone cold classic. <laughs> Every, no, I think people are just intrigued that someone would pick it. Like, what is the freak that would have picked this as their favourite album? Well, not not necessarily favourite album, but yeah. Um, no, it's not my favourite. I was trying to name a, another Link Biscuit album then as a joke, but and say that was your favourite, but I don't know the names of any other Link Biscuit albums. Well, for that joke to work, you should have said results may vary. Sure. Which on Metacritic.com is the worst rated album of all time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure it can't be the worst It's album. not very good. It's not a very it... good album. Oh, right. It's absolutely tuneless. Fair enough. So is Ed Sheeran, but look at him well, doing well. Fair enough. I think this is the first ever review of Cool Runnings that talks about results may vary by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> so let's go on to Posh Cats instead. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where we're introduced to Shanker. I think I've got his name right. Let me just check out DB. Sanka. Sanka. Why did I put an H in there? Yeah, Sanka, who um, is like basically the pushcart champion, and which, you... which is basically like a soapbox derby, but they actually are allowed to get off and push, which is a bit yeah odd. Like it, I mean, it must be a thing, but I'd not it, seen it before. It's a soapbox derby, but anything goes. I think with no pretty much yeah yeah in. Standard because uh, I quite like watching the Red Bull soapbox races <laughs> yeah. on on Dave, the channel, not a person. Um, they just do it one by one, and we do the times. Whereas here, just everyone launches at the same time and yeah. race against each other. Yeah, and a lot less safe, but that's how you like it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like when it the camera pulls back and they're um, racing like on a cliffside. Yeah, it's like all right, okay, <laughs> health and safety, everybody. <sighs> Jamaica in 1987, not quite as... Uh... Not particularly, no. I bet you were, you were with your health and safety uh, qualifications were having palpitations. I was, yes. <laughs> I was just like, if I was there, I'd be running behind them with like risk assessment forms saying, you need to fill these in. <laughs> the note that I made of the soap... Uh, I've written soapbox derby, but pushcart derby. Same um, thing. Um, all the pushcarts are clearly made by the same production crew. You know, they're like they've not used any different sort of styles or anything it's, oh, yeah. it's pretty much just a car with a little cart with wheels just a, a mass production sort of thing yeah they've not they've not tried to make it look like different people have constructed them and they're all painted in a pretty similar style as well yeah. so it looks like you know it's almost like they've all been bought from the same push cart shop <laughs> <laughs> the same cardboard and wheel factory uh and we set up a couple of uh long-running jokes here so um sanka's got his lucky egg that he makes everyone kiss before they set off yep um and yeah ru- i'd written runny man watches which is derice <laughs> hadn't got his name before that yep. point um and chris i decided that this was the earliest um case of a car chase we've had in our films oh god so it is yeah within, within the first five minutes yeah, i'm allowing this yeah 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 they're definitely cars and they were definitely chasing each other yeah Fantastic. And then the race ends with Sanka basically crashing into like this food cart. Yeah. And yeah, we get another on running gag, which is um, when Darice asks, Sanka, you're dead. 
And he says, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try my best to get through the whole of this episode without doing any awkward Jamaican accents. No accents, please. <laughs> we can't talk shit about one of our dinosaurs is missing if we start doing Jamaican accents here. I bet you're so glad you're not doing this episode with Dave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much. Fucking hell. <laughs> he'd, he'd have a different crap Jamaican accent for each character, wouldn't he? I think he's got six types. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, back to Runny Man, as, a, <laughs> as I'm going to call him from now on. Devise. Yeah. His uh, trials for the Olympics are finally here. And he, someone asks if he's nervous, and he's basically like, yeah, I'm terrified. And so we get to the trials. His class is 100 metres. Yes, that's right. That used to be my best uh, sport at school. What was your time? I can't remember what the time was, but being a a fat kid, I was surprisingly fast in a sprint and could often like out sprint a lot of the other like more athletic people, but literally only for a hundred meters because I would get to the end and that would me, me literally be exhausted and collapse for the rest of the day. But I would always put the effort in because I knew that I could actually beat Mm. people. Above or under 10 seconds. Oh, definitely above 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, on track, Derice is next to a guy called Junior. He's like sort of like a shortish type yep. gentleman. And a brick shithouse <laughs> <laughs> yeah. called Branner. Yeah, and immediately I think about Branner, like, bloody hell, must have some power behind him to be able to move with all that weight. He's... he's- Quite um, scowly as well, isn't he? He's, he is, he's yes. quite a foreboding uh, presence, and he's obviously supposed to be the bad guy to beat in this race. Yes. Oh, can I make a quick wrestling reference just for anyone? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, he reminded me of Ahmed Johnson. You won't get what that means, but yeah, a load I haven't of people, got a clue. Yeah, a load of people now will hopefully find that funny. So moving on. Yeah, um, and he's in the crowd. You've got Sanka and you've got Derisi's girlfriend and. Um, Sanka's kart racing partner, yeah. and I just the note I put was that he was wearing an absolutely bitching hat in this uh, in this little se- section. It was a nice hat. Uh, it's got the word "super" in like multicolored letters under the brim, and then the brims pointed up. So it's very it's nineties as fuck, mate. It is. And he was wearing some yellow dungarees as well, and I was like, yeah, that that's coming back. That All of colours. Yeah, the, this is a very colourful film. Yeah. In a good way. It's a showreel for Benetton. <laughs> Is Benetton even still a thing? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Um, another... Sweater shop is still a thing, technically. Another, another sports reference. I knew Benetton as a Formula One team before I did as a uh, clothes manufacturer. Really? Are they like the same thing? Yeah, yeah. they were the main sponsor. Oh. They, they won the Constructors title a few times as well. That's who Michael Schumacher won his first two titles with. Kirsty is desperate, going back to 90s clothes, Kirsty's desperate to get a sweater shop jumper. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it has to say the sweater shop on it in oh, massive... It's a, la- it's a brand. I thought you were on about you were like buy a one from a sweatshop in Bangladesh or oh something my God, do you for, not re- for 10p. Do you not remember the sweater shop? <laughs> no. It was like mid-90s. It was... There was one in every high street, and the kind of the selling factor was there were these ridiculously gaudy, like knitted jumpers, but like in all different colours with embroidery patterns on and shit, mm. like ugly as fuck, like like an ugly Christmas jumper before that was a thing. Yeah, but every single one had the sweater shop 
on it somewhere in big writing. A bit like an Adidas logo, but for jumpers. It's It was awful, but Kirsty's so, like, getting behind the 90s revival, she really wants one. Fair enough. And I thought they were making a comeback at one point, and I'm very glad they haven't. <laughs> I don't know much about 90s fashion. I, I wore a knockoff Adidas uh, joggers with two stripes on for most of the 90s. I used to wear a lot of hand-me-downs from uh, other people's kids, because my mum had loads of friends that were with kids that were just a little bit older than me. And I hated them all, most of my clothes at the time. But looking back, I had this one item of clothing that I really wish I had still, which was a Lego jumper. Um, and it was like a white jumper with a, a couple of stripes on, and it had the Lego logo. But then right in the middle, there was a little popper, and you could attach a Lego figure to your chest. Fantastic. <laughs> just like the literally the classic Lego man with the hair and everything. Yeah. Um, but obviously it was this one Lego man with that attached to it, and I lost the Lego man after wearing it once. But looking back, I was like, hated it at the time, but I would love to wear that now. Yeah. Me too. Me too. It was, it was shit when you were a kid and you, like, fell over, because, like, you would fall onto a Lego man. Like, <laughs> health and safety gone mad. Yeah. Ouch. It would have been acceptable in 1987 in Jamaica. It was, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of... Uh... Health and safety in 1987 in uh, Jamaica. So the race gets underway. Yep. Obviously, because it only lasts 11 seconds, it's all in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> and Junior gets slightly ahead and then he trips over himself and takes out both Davis and uh, Runner in yeah. one fell swoop. So none of them qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so Davis goes to the official's office and they basically tell him tough titties because. That's how races work. It is, like yeah. it's, it really is tough titties. Basically, he could compete in the other events that Jamaica competes with in the Olympics, but they only compete in the cycling or the boxing. And then we get um, classic Disney. We have to have a dead parent alert now. <laughs> dead dad, dead dad. <laughs> because um, as with nearly all Disney films, when they can't be asked to have a character in, there is a dead dad. Yeah, and so yeah, he's. Um, it turns out Derice's dad was a competitor in the Olympics and a medal winner hmm. in a previous year at sprinting, and it's there's a picture on the wall. I just thought I, I don't want to see a film that's like from the other side, so like a film told from perspective for dad, dad going, no, that's not what I want. You're just making things up in your head to justify yourself. What are you doing? I want you to be a solicitor. So like Patrick Swayze in Ghost, where no one can understand him or hear him, so he's just running around screaming at his offspring, just yeah. like, I want you to be a merchant banker. <laughs> <laughs> be a solicitor. Make some money. Don't do what I did. Look at me now. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. I th- get on that script. Okay. Load up phones off now. Disney is so desperate for some imagination, they'd probably take that off your hands. You never know. I'll allow them to do it. Nicolas Cage as the dead dad. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Who would you cast as the son of Nicolas Cage? Uh, Adam Driver. Oh, yeah, okay. That'd be a good one. Yeah. About the right ages as well. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I think that would be funny. <laughs> so, he sees a picture of his dead dad. Yep. When he wasn't so dead. Yep. And <laughs> uh, next to a white guy, and he asks who the white guy is. Yeah. I hadn't written the name. It's he's called Irv. Yep. 
and he contacted Darice's dad with the proposal of setting up a Jama- a Jamaican bobsleigh team. Yeah. Because his thinking behind it is obviously with bobsleds, it's all about the start and running off as soon as quickly as possible to get that momentum. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could get a team of really great sprinters in your bobsled, that would potentially work wonders. Yep. And so Darice is like, well, let's go for it then. Yeah. If this is my ticket to the Olympics. And uh, by the way, what's a bobsled? Uh-huh. <laughs> At this point, that's act one over already. Like, we know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to go to the Olympics with a bobsled. Yes, exactly. Brilliant. Succinct. Oh, I can skip through all these pages then. Yeah, it's literally t- less than ten minutes. And from here on out, that's the film. More or less. Love it. So, so Doris uh, convinces... Sanka to uh, join his team. And Sanka is really fucking bothered about the fact that there's ice involved. For some reason... Well, they've never seen Afek. It's Jamaica. He's like, ice? 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 Ice to see you. (laughs) So I'd written that maybe his mum was shot by an iceberg or something. Oh, you know, maybe his dad's Mr. Freeze. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So the plan is to get Sanka um, to drive the... The bobsled, bobsled because apparently he's the best pushcart driver in Jamaica. All of Jamaica. All of Jamaica. Except, Chris, he's not. Because he doesn't drive the cart in the film. The little kid drives the cart. Sanka is on the back pushing the cart. I thought he was driving. No, little kid's driving in the front. So we should get the little kid instead. So this whole plot point of... uh, the only reason they get Sanka, who's not an Olympic athlete, into this uh, film is because he can drive and he doesn't drive. Yeah, he certainly doesn't drive later on, does and he? to be fair, in the only scene we ever see him in a push cart, it crashes. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently he's the best hope that Jamaica has, so whatever. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, Sanka says, he's just like, forget it, don't bother. Yeah. After Therese convinces him, they go to find Irv, yep. which brings up... What I should say is a staple of all 80s and early 90s films, the mandatory John Candy role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it starts like most John Candy roles, where John Candy's in a mood. Yes. And you have to convince him to be... It's like you have to convince him to be in the film. Yeah. He's <laughs> in a right grump again here, isn't he? Yeah, so he'd been betting on the races on the radio and losing and smashes up the radio. Um and they ask him if he wants to coach the first Jamaican team, and he's like, no, fuck off. Those so, exact words at a Disney film. Can you yeah. believe it? And then he get, they all hide in the shitter, so that then <laughs> when, he go, when he goes to the toilet, they all like harass him, which is not the best time to be... Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I did really laugh at this bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you knew it was coming, but just like, why are they hidden there? Yeah, so... It's not really anticipating him having a poo. Yeah, they're persistent. Yeah. And Irv says, you know, they've got no snow, no time, and worst of all, they've not got him. Snow time. And then Sanka got flashbacks about his mum getting stabbed with an iceberg. Um, But they convince him eventually. Yeah, that's... that's, (laughs) I I was going to give the full rundown, but it doesn't matter. Like, you know they're going to win over. well... Hey, we've got to note before um, Doris took the picture of uh, his dead dad and uh, and Irv. Yeah. You know, just to throw it in front of Irv to go, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm this guy's son. Yeah. Please coach me. And, then and it does, does work. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've got one 
big issue here. Okay. And it is an actual error in the timeline if you look on IMDb. So, Doris has been trying to qualify for the 100 metres. Yeah. And now he's saying his only chance to get to the Olympics is the bobsledding. Yeah. It's um, two separate Olympics, though. Your, your 100 yes, metres the... is in the Summer Olympics, and the Winter Olympics is normally two years afterwards. So it, oh. run, it runs every two years for there's an Olympic Games of some sorts. Right. So basically he's cut his impatientness in half rather than waiting four years, he's waited two. <laughs> um, the only way they can work around it was if they've decided to go for Winter Olympics immediately instead of qualifying like two years in advance of the next summer one. Yeah. Well, I don't think it works like that. In reality, though, the Olympics he was trying to qualify for happened after the Winter Olympics that we end up going to. So they've had to mess with the order here in order to make it work. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, to be fair, like... Well, I say to be fair. From the research, little bit of research I did, basically most of this film is absolute bollocks anyway. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, basically. All the characters, although it's based on a, a real occurrence, like Jamaica did take a team to the bobsleigh run on in, yeah. in Calgary in this year. Um, all of the characters are completely fictional. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's there's a, it's a very, very loose framework in, for a, a, an actual real film. Yeah, and I, I think that's fine, especially in oh, a case yeah. like this and like, such a light-hearted film. You just you take the idea of people from a completely wrong background. Yeah. Like, in terms of climate, in terms of how rich we are, you know, go to the, these Olympic Games... And they do all right, you know, it's a decent story. You don't need to be that realistic with it. Yeah. But just to point out, it was a bit jarring, though. It was, yeah. yeah. So then we go to what looks like some kind of classroom, um, mm. and it's full of what I've, well, I put potentials like uh, slayers in Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, John Candy has basically gathered up anyone that could potentially yeah. run his bobsled for him. To me, you might be slightly of a classroom scene in Battle Royale before they find out that oh that's this film i haven't seen in a long time so good yeah so, so. i don't mind the sequel either i know a lot of people shit on it for being overacted but i don't care it's very good how are you doing it for cinemortuary does it class oh i might have to look at that yeah you, you might just give me an idea for episode 53 you know that would be a good one i'm not sure if it counts as horror though because it's, it's murder and all that lot but yeah i think it's more of a thriller in that case i suppose yeah but yeah, there was a funny line in, uh, well, I say funny, it, it was very weird. John Candy, as he's trying, basically he's trying to explain what bobsleighing is to convince people to join. Yeah. Um, and he says, a bobsled is a simple thing. And someone heckles, so is a toilet. And I was like, is that what class is for humour in Jamaica? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Well, it's like over here saying... Uh... Bob says so easy to work. So is your mum. Yeah, it was literally like. I, I mean, he's right. A toilet is quite a simple thing, but yeah. it, it just it was odd. It made me laugh. But yeah, um, John Candy's basically trying to convince people not to join this bobsled yeah. team. He shows people dying uh, that it can kill you. Um, I don't think we're dying; we're just crashing and a bobsled. But when you've got a massive tin rocket racing round and it lands on top of you, it's going to hurt. Yeah. And then um, when they turn round from watching the projector, it turns out every single person's left. 
They're very quiet and sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a couple of minutes later, Mr. Toxic Masculinity himself from the uh, original race that got knocked down by Junior arrives. Mr. Angry. And he's very adamant that he doesn't want to be touched. <laughs> <laughs> this is another weird little ongoing gag of the film. Mm. Anytime anyone tries to put their arm on his shoulder or anything, he, he doesn't like it. No homo, Chris. No homo. <laughs> 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 and uh, then, wouldn't you know it, Junior also turns up. Yep, um, looking like Carlton from Fresh Prince. Yes, thank you. <laughs> he basically spends the rest of his film acting like Carlton, and it was bugging me. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's about the same kind of time as well, isn't I it? I reckon so, yeah. He's, he's got the very preppy kind of outfits, hasn't he? Like, yes. Very nice ironed polo shirts and khaki trousers. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, toxic masculinity man is very annoyed because Carlton was the one that lost him his Olympics. Yeah, he did, and he wants to fight him there and then. Managed to all get split up, but Branner is convinced to stay in the team uh, yep. because Branner wants to get off this island. Yeah, he hates Jamaica for some reason, So, yeah. which is never really fully explained, but fair enough. You can understand. I think it's like later on, he just basically wants to live somewhere... Uh, where he's like richer and there's more yeah. advantages for him in the world instead of because like Jamaica's a poor place. Yeah, and I think as he says later on, you know, it's just people that have their place and are happy being there. Yeah, whereas he's not. It's like being in Grimsby. So at this point, we've got the oddball, the muscle, the jock, and the prep. So we're almost like halfway to our own Jamaican breakfast club. We do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was made, be- which I liked because they were sort of like in a classroom. Yeah, and uh, we're only one fat kid away from every single sports film yeah. that was made around this time. Yeah, just to point out, this is like the era of the upbeat underdog sports films. So you had Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks, yeah. Around this time, um, Space Jam. I guess yeah. that counts. That does count. What's it called? Um, a League of Their Own, I think. It oh yeah, called. loads of baseball films. Wasn't yeah. There? yeah. All with very similar... Angel in the Outfield. Angel in the Outfields as well. Shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sports. <laughs> Woohoo! My favourite genre. <laughs> to be fair, I quite like a underdog sports film because they make it so simple that I can understand it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's never about the sport. No. It's never about the sport. No, have you... You know, actual sports are boring, but, you know, when you add that underdog tale to it... Yeah. So we get our first training montage from here. Lots of montages in this film. Yeah, montage central, a bit like uh, Heavyweights was. Oh, yeah, another one. Oh, just to point out, Junior is like shining his car because, you know, showing his come from a quite wealthy background. Yeah. And his dad shows up and says, oh, I've got you a job in Miami, lol. Yes, he does. This is after the training montage, yeah. Oh, I've, I've written down montage for the first one. Oh, no, sorry, there's like two montages... Yeah, there's one, a few montages in uh, this film. Uh, one after the other. My apologies. Basically, the only thing of note in the first montage was that Doris has to drive because Sanka don't fit. And that's literally the only reason. Yeah, and then they determine immediately afterwards. Like, Irv says, by the way, Doris, you're the driver. Sanka complains a lot, but then Irv points out, you know, that the driver basically has to live and breathe, you know, everything that he's doing. Yeah, he's got to be the risk. But got to be the responsible one. Yeah, make sure they all don't die. So Sank is pretty happy to give up his yeah. role then, isn't he? What is his role? Uh, 
lucky egg giver bringer? Because the theory is, if you've got three sprinters launching off a bobsled and a really good driver, but then you suddenly putting one of the sprinters in as a driver instead, and then Sanka's got to push and you're losing speed because he doesn't have the power for the other two. Sanka's best qualification at this point is he was the fourth person that said he would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else has said they'll do it. Good as qualifications, anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as you say, we end up at Posh Boy's house and he's practicing telling his dad that he's going to join the bobsleigh team yeah. by talking it out to his dog. Yeah. But when his dad, who's like this uh, big... Uncle Phil. Yeah, basically Uncle Phil. Yeah. A big sort of portly with gentleman. A, with a cracking beard. Yeah. And a nice jumper. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he, he tells... Junior that he's got him a job at a brokerage house, but Junior doesn't tell him that he's going to leave the country, mm. <laughs> as you do. Yeah. And yeah, we get back to some more training. I just put oh dear, which means it's obviously not going well. Oh dear and reggae, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is the one where they're trying to launch off at a fast enough speed. So yeah. Irv explains that if you launch off under six seconds, then you're in with a decent chance. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, within this, we're trying to practice like a bumpy Jamaican field. It's very difficult for them. At one point, they golf course and we crash into a police car. But they do get fast enough, don't they? They do, yes. Which is great. There's a little section where they're training for the cold by sitting inside an ice cream truck, the proprietor of which is called Crazy Jerry. And I was like, who the fuck's buying ice cream from a guy called Crazy Jerry <laughs> who keeps who keeps athletes in his freezer? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. This isn't strawberry. Oh, yeah, so um, we then go to the Olympic Council building, and considering that they only take part in three events, this place is fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked like it was filmed like a an embassy in London or something. It is a massive building. It, yes, it does, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the president of um, the Olympic Council for Jamaica, he's apprehensive, to say the least. Mm. And tells them that the Olympic Committee is not going to fund them. Yeah. So they'll have to raise their own money. They need 20 grand and Jamaica hasn't got enough money inside their massive embassy to take <laughs> these people over to the thing that they're funded to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that building you could sell and then like... F- fucking remortgage it. You could fund the Olympics for the next 20 years if you <laughs> sold it. But yeah, there's a good, uh, again, another montage, which is them fundraising, yeah. um, busking, they're doing a kissing booth, no homo is playing arm wrestling with people. See, I think that's, that's the best strategy, in my opinion. What? The guy with a massive arm is doing arm wrestling, dollar a time. Yeah. Easy money. <laughs> that's what I'd do, damn it. They meet up to count up and they're doing really shit. But uh, they raise 161 after like this five minute montage. 161 dollars of the twenty thousand that they need. <laughs> but uh, but then Carlton sold his car, so uh, he throws all the money in the middle. For 1994, that must have been one hell of a car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a cash strap nation as well, yeah. where prices tend to be lower. Who did he sell it to? <laughs> his mum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so off we go. Bring- <laughs> oh, the- <laughs> when he gives all the money, uh, no homos like um, this doesn't mean I like you, and I think implied is I like women because <laughs> he's no homo, Chris. Yeah. I like boobs. I like vaginas. That's all I like. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> no touching. <laughs> 
they arrive in Canada in a oh Canada, and it's a fucking blizzard. Yeah, it's quite cold there. Um, so Sanka puts on all of his clothes and his duffel bag, which mm. is pretty funny. Um, they go to register for tryouts, and the time has changed. So they've practiced to get under a minute and five, but the new qualifying time is a minute and two. Yeah, you have to have some sort of threshold in like most Olympic sports about what's a qualifying time. I think like c- certain events have allocated to a certain amount of people, but I think with like other things like that, if you can qualify under them, they'll let everyone have a go basically yeah if i remember rightly two of the three usa coaches won't talk to john candy for some reason yep mm, but we don't know why. we don't know why <gasps> um, but uh roger is the third one is willing to talk to him and they do so in a the revolving restaurant i'm sure there's one in canada um yeah um kirsty's mate colette has actually visited it recently okay so yeah it was a it's a real place the calgary it was at the calgary olympic um, building. Oh, is that the tallest building in Canada, if I remember rightly? I know there's... Could be. I know it's like sort of, I think the Space Needle in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, that's got the same sort of deal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, John Candy calls in a favour and says that he needs to borrow a sled. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've got all this way and they've not actually rented a sled out. So what is the 20 grand for then? Apart from flights. Is that just to... Flights, uh, accommodation? Maybe it's just to enter. To oh, enter the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet there will be. Uh, yeah, so they get to the Olympic ice rink because they haven't even walked on ice before. Carlton accidentally touches Roid Rage, <laughs> and uh, you know, don't oh, tu- shit. don't touch him. They go to the slopes to witness the Swiss team's run, which they're the they're the team to beat. Yeah, they're like the perfect team. Everything about them is immaculate to to the T, precise. And again, because a run is quite slow. Uh, quite quick, sorry. They slow it down in slow motion. It's Doris watching, and it's like an 80s synth dream as he's... Uh, yes. <laughs> it gets very uh, vaporwave whilst he's watching. Oh, there's an idea. I should like edit that, you know. Yeah, go for it. Let's start a new new offshoot of vaporwave. Fantastic. What, what we'll call it? Rasta Rocket. Uh, yeah, so we get this, the reveal of the sled, which looks like an old Lancaster bomber that's been cut in half. Like... It's a bit rusty. <laughs> yeah, but they're all excited because they've actually got one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they go to the tryouts. They see all the other teams lubing up their torpedoes. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's it's very it's a very phallic film. There's lots of... Oh, extremely. Lots of massive knobs, but no homo. So everyone, all the other teams stare at them. Yes, Oh, and this is the first case of um, sponsorship that we see in this film. Oh, yeah. First first shots of some banners for Coca-Cola, which obviously, you know, Olympics is always sponsored it by is, Coke. yeah. And to me, I don't know why, but I, I think this is quite nice as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I can't even name any in top of my head, but I'm sure you see a lot of like these 90s films around this time with just Coca-Cola written Coca-Cola everything. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the new series of Stranger Things? Because that's sponsored by Coke. No, I've not, no. There's, um... Because if you remember in the 80s in America, they had New Coke, mm. where they tried to directly compete with Pepsi. Yeah. Because Pepsi were encroaching in on their turf. Yeah. And um, there is a whole scene set in a supermarket in Stranger Things 3, where they just, all the kids have a discussion about Coke. 
they sit and talk about whether or not they like the new Coke or the old Coke. And then um, in real life, Coke have brought back new Coke for a sponsorship with Stranger Things in America. I'm very glad I don't watch Stranger Things. <laughs> to be honest, I've not enjoyed this new season. I know a lot of people have liked it, but I thought it was pretty dull compared to other ones. I find the 80s nostalgia load of old wank anyway. I know, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Have, we? yes. To be f- uh, yeah, I don't... I'm not a massive fan of 80s nostalgia, but this particular one I quite like. I think the characters are quite interesting and watchable. Mm. But um, the plot from this season has been really dull. And sort of retreading like stuff that's happened already. Right. So I haven't really enjoyed it. But the characters are still really watchable, but the plot's been a bit shit. Okay. But there was plenty of coke in it, so you know. Back back, back to the films. <laughs> so, so everyone stares at them. Yeah. Um, so this is where we start to get our casual racist sort of subtext going on. Yeah. Mm. They do, yeah. They do an okay job because they never, mainly they don't point it out. I know John Candy has a line later yeah. on that points it out, but I think they do a decent job here of that. I think it's yeah, it's played more as just general outsiderism, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not played as explicitly racist. And in fact, the, I almost thought when John Candy kind of suggests people are being racist, I think it's almost like a a fake call out kind of thing. Okay, right, just part of his plan. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of. I think I don't think he thinks that they're being racist. I think he says that because it's a. A cheap shot at them. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, this is some of the subtext here. Again, it's all fiction. Apparently, Jamaica. You know, when we actually went to the Olympics, you no, know, it was all everything was fine. You know, but all, all the other teams, you know, they weren't like, oh, what are they doing here? Yeah, like everyone was actually quite supportive, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, one country uh, actually gave them a, a sled as well as yes, a backup sled. I wrote. That, I saw. That's right. Yeah, the Americans did. Yeah. yeah so. And that's kind of how you imagine it would be in real life, because like everything you see and read about the Olympics is always so sort of uplifting and inspiring. Yeah. So you expect them to be quite nice. And I'm not being funny, but if I was looking at it from a competitive sports arsehole point of view, I'd be thinking, well, yes, then... one less bit of competition. Yeah, the, <laughs> your first thought is they're not going to win. Yeah, like... fantastic. That's one less team to worry about. <laughs> Yeah, so they're um, getting ready for their run. Um, Sankar asks uh, Big Man if he wants to kiss his egg, and he's like, no, I only kiss ladies. <laughs> I mean, that's not what he says, but that's... At that point, he should like, go out a second egg. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but put his finger in between it. Miss Lucky Egg, which has got, like, a boobs drawn on <laughs> and some big red lips <laughs> and a little wig. Yeah. <laughs> so, they... I told to look out for turn 12, and when they do their trial run, wouldn't you know it, it's that turn 12, that sort of... They go in one side of a tent, but they don't come back out again. Yeah. Sanka, you dead? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they wipe out. Um, and we go to their hotel room, where Meathead gives a speech about getting off the island. Yeah. And this is where he says that he's he's got a little picture from a magazine that he's cut out, and he says that he is going to his goal is to live here. But what he doesn't realise is that he's cut out a picture of Buckingham Palace. Yeah, that's very funny. 
he's getting quite jumped up a bit cocky about it and then like yeah. everyone knocks him down but uh, except for junior slash carlton who sticks up for him yeah and tells him to go get his palace and i, I thought that's that's pretty easy for you to say rich boy <laughs> Well, what he was saying was, well, yeah, I get what you mean, but what he was saying, like his dad, yeah, that he hates so much. You know, he started out from nothing and got yeah. to where he was. Yeah, but um, this is what I like to think of as the start of a blossoming romance between Carlton and his um, daddy. Yeah, <laughs> he's well, not his no. <laughs> the big, the big man. I meant the, the, the big dog. I meant daddy in like the gay stereotype, not his actual daddy, there which will... doesn't work when his daddy is an actual yeah. character in the film. There will be a full blown sex scene later on. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope so, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So we then we go back to some training. They're doing some proper push starts, but then they drop they drop the sled down the run. Because they fail to get into it. Yeah. And at this point, I wondered if they only, if the production only had one working sled, because every sled at this point that we've seen go down the hill is always bright red. Mm. And I wondered if they just had stickers on it that they were just switching oh, yeah. out the team names, like Swiss to Russian to Denmark. Yeah. And I think later on in the film, it's all stock footage from the actual Olympics, so it might it actually yeah. be the case that they only had one <laughs> one working sled. Yeah. And during this training, we we see like we go back to Jamaica and see people supporting and stuff, and we also see Carlton's real dad, not his daddy, <laughs> has uh, has read about them in the paper and knows yeah. what's happened. So I mean. The the paper the picture in paper was meant to like try and turn them into like a national embarrassment, but it's sort of gone. A bit in column A, a bit in column B. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean his dad's pissed off. No yeah. n- not his daddy. Yeah. One of the US coaches is um talking to Doris afterwards and this is where we find out that Can uh, John Candy was a naughty boy. He was, yes. Um where he'd basically been weighing the sled down hmm. um which is apparently cheating. Except it's not. Is it not? No. Look this up afterwards. And yeah, so the reason he was disqualified in this fictional world is that uh, John Candy was putting weights in the bobsled to make it go faster. There is a upper and lower weight limit that your team and bobsled needs to take. And it is weighed beforehand and you are allowed to put weights in to make it the right weight. Okay. So... He, uh, what they say he was disqualified for is bollocks. He wouldn't have been unless he tried to go overweight with it. But then surely, but they weigh it beforehand, so yeah. But but surely, if it's going well overweight, then it's not going to move as fast. Or they would just say take the weights out. Oh, yeah, shit. Like, yeah. So anyway, that's that's how we've set up mm. him being naughty, even though he's not. Then we go back to the hotel. Because Uncle Phil has sent Carlton a telegram. Yes, a, a telegram. <laughs> Fancy. And, and Kirsty's um, response to this was, are telegrams still a thing? And you can still get a telegram now, I th- I'm pretty sure. There we go. Send us a telegram. <laughs> yeah. To P.O. Box. <laughs> Parent Trap 411. <laughs> <laughs> London W12. <laughs> oh, God, what was that address? I think that was Blue Peter. Yeah, no, you, you children's television. Something like London W twelve six AA. I want to know if that was actually yeah, Blue Peter. Everyone get my phones out. I've just actually searched up London W twelve six AA to see what happens. Let's see where it takes us. 
Oh, there's a five guys just there. <laughs> Don't talk to me about five guys. <laughs> no. Um, so I almost went to five guys for the first time the week when I was in New York. All right. Because uh, I went up there with my sister to see uh, Manic Street Preachers that's for Barbican. And we thought, yeah, we'll go to five guys. You know, neither has been. So we're looking at menu beforehand and trying to see if we could get a discount or something. Oh, everything's got peanuts, hasn't it? For, for fries are cooked in peanut oil. Yeah. They have peanuts on site as well. Just mounds of peanuts for you to attack. Or to attack you. God, I hadn't even thought of that. Fucking five guys, more like five twats. To be honest, the chips are one of my least favourite parts of five guys. Mm. They do this thing where they're like, they, they champion that they get them from... Uh, small holdings and like they can tell you each st- store can tell you where they got their fries from that week. Yeah, but that means that there's they can wildly differ in flavour because right. they're from different potatoes every time you go. Yeah. Where did we get it from? The seventh circle of hell. Yeah, they also um, I think they trick you with their namings because they have a either a small burger or a regular burger. But the regular is actually like two burgers and is massive. So. It's made so that if it's your first time, you'll always go for the regular, mm. when actually what you want is a small, and it's massive. It, the small is still massive. I want, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. Yeah. I do I do like a Five Guys, but I think it's well too expensive for what it is. Mm. Anyway, Canadian Cowboys. <laughs> so, uh, Yes, we go to a line dancing club. We do. Do you remember the 90s line dancing boom, Chris? I remember Rednecks. Do you remember Cotton Eye Joe? I do indeed. Do you remember yes. Achy Breaky Heart? Of course I do. Do you remember when uh, Emmerdale had a line dancing oh, song? Oh my god, I can't believe you brought that up. The Woolpackers yeah. with Hillbilly yeah. Rock, Hillbilly, Hillbilly Roll. Roll. This is the second time in the last month I've uh, thought about this song. <laughs> you, to be fair, I couldn't find that song for years. I thought I just thought I'd like an hallucination and I thought I saw like the cast of Emmerdale singing on, <laughs> on uh, the uh, that chart show that used to be on ITV uh, on Saturdays. And I thought, oh, is that Emmerdale? Like, and it was. going on? Yeah, it was Emmerdale. Yeah. My sister has uh, that song on one of her playlists and I was in her living room the other day and was just like, oh, my God. I wonder, I'm not, I'm not going to play, but I wonder if you can actually search upon Spotify for Woolpackers. Be- uh, Oh, actually, on no, I've never checked on Spotify. For wool, no, doesn't look like it. Oh, that's all I. A minute. No, I think it's actually on there. It's fucking hell. What the Woolpackers have their own Vivo hey. channel on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I'm watching later on tonight. Why have we not seen the Woolpackers in your uh, YouTube, uh, your Twitter content? 
that's that's another one waiting to happen. Yeah, I'll get on to that, shall we? Were there any, um, like, redneck wrestlers? Yes, quite a few. There was actually an actual band of redneck musicians in one, like, group together. Oh, mate. I've... With a hit song, Rap Is Crap. I'm going to have to... You're going to have to really edit a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Uh... When you eventually put this video on Twitter, I need my uh, my Twitter credited for this. I want to go viral too. Yeah. So this is. Do I do I class as a? It's the same bloody song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it turns it turns out country music was Daisy's limit. She's oh, gone now. Daisy, come back. Amazing. <laughs> Rescuing. That was really like country by numbers, that it wasn't was. it? Like, <laughs> so there was a boardroom meeting where people literally like brainstormed the words to that song. <laughs> wow. Where the fuck were we? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, in the line dancing in a bar. And... Junior's drowning his sorrows. He is, yes. And uh, Branner... Our, our daddy is uh, there with him as well. Yeah, and some East German twat tells them to go back where they come. F- they came from. Yes, okay. So, there we go. so yeah, this is the most blatant sort of all, probably racist bit. Yes, but again, it could just be don't compete in the Olympics. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's fucking racist, isn't it? Germans. That's it as well. Yeah, it would yeah. be the Germans that say it. The bloody Germans. <laughs> um, uh, so Brandon like takes Junior to the side and, like, really hypes him up. Yeah. You know, to go confront his dad, you know, about, you know, you know, he doesn't want to go home, he wants to compete in the Olympics. Yeah. But Junior decides to take this prep to go back and confront the Europeans instead. And then have a bar fight. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny, like, because, like, this is the first point where um, Brenner is really sort of coming across as quite sincere and serious. Yes. Um, yeah. Tells Junior, I see, when he's talk when he sees Junior, he sees pride, he sees power, he sees a badass and things like this. He's and, a badass mother. Yeah, that's it. A badass mother who t- take no crap off nobody. And then, like, in a very 90s way, that apparently means let's be all macho and punch people. Yeah. <laughs> And the film paints that as kind of like the thing that they should be doing. The like, thing. Yeah. So again, yeah. Even these days, you know, in 2019, they'd instead like sit down and talk through their problems. Yes. And, you know. Yeah, it kind of cancels out all the positivity, doesn't it, what they actually do in It this. does, yeah. Was there a scene in a film in the 90s set in a bar that didn't end in a brawl? No, just like there was never a scene in, with a pool that didn't end with someone in it like you were saying <laughs> yeah in the parent trap i love a bloody good old cliche yeah then we get to montage number four thousand um yeah. what what have i written there oh it's yes the famous bathtub shot oh yes so this is the thing that if you've not seen the film you'll you'll know what with this particular shot which is the four lads in a bathtub pretending it's a bobsled yeah having a quick uh 
shimmy from side to side. Um, and this montage of them training. At this point, I was like, how long are they bloody here for? Like, it feels like they've been in the Olympic It feels place. like they've been there for a few weeks. If not more than a month. Like, um, there's a lot going on. Realistically, the, the Olympics itself lasts for a month. And I can't remember entirely if different sports fly home when their event is over. But the bobsled one itself wouldn't be more than a few days long. Right. So if it was one of the later attractions, it could have, yeah. Whereas I think, like, the track and field, like, you know, for the Summer Olympics, like, they're there for the duration, basically. Yeah. Because I don't... I can't remember... I know they're part of the opening ceremony. I don't think they're part of the closing ceremony as well. Right. But yeah, we're about to say before we even get to a point of uh, the first actual run, the first like, which is just a qualify. It's not the actual Olympics yet. Yeah. It's it feels like at least a week, and I'm not sure if that's accurate. No. Um, but this particular montage ends with the uh, un- the reveal of their new uniforms. In the Jamaican flag colours, pretty funky. I, I love the uniform. Then again, I really like the Jamaican flag. It's really weird. I used to have this thing when I was younger where I was really... Did you think you were a raster? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not think I was Dave. Were you smoking pot at seven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, God, like, I did the ah, you Right. We're an hour into the <laughs> recording and you've done one. Fuck. Right, that that's uh, you've got to put a quid in the racist jar now. <sighs> okay, right. which we don't have. <laughs> Let me just get my change jar. <laughs> so, I always thought the Jamaican flags like one of the nicest flags going. Oh yeah, it's a pretty yeah. decent flag. Yeah, um, I got really excited. I'm going to go back onto other sports again. I apologise. Join the 1998 World Cup because Argentina, Jamaica, Croatia and Japan were all in the same group and they had four bloody lovely flags. <laughs> so I was well for that group. Um, it, it was a bit of a foregone conclusion because like Jamaica and Japan's football teams were to shite, but you know. There you go. Those flags are. A very weird insight into Chris's brain. Oh yeah. And- My whole night is basically based off football and wrestling. That's my time reference for everything. Despite absolutely hating everything to do with football, I did in the 90s as a child own a single of uh, one of Man United's anthems. Oh, God. I don't know which one it was, and I can't... Glory, glory, Man United. Yeah, it must have been that. Yeah, something like that. But I don't remember how I ended up having that in my uh, possession, but I remember, like, really liking it, even even though I didn't like football. Here's a... Speaking of football songs, fun fact for you. Well, not very really a fact, more of an opinion. Uh, <laughs> so, well, opinions are fact these days, aren't they? More or less, In yeah. these modern times. So the uh, song Three Lions yep. is cool. I don't know that lot. Fucking hate that song, but I absolutely love the lightning seeds. Who are the lightning seeds? Oh, you said it now. <laughs> They're like this really, really good pop group from like the late 80s and 90s. Right. And they're most well known for that. And they also did a song called Life of I, which always you appeared mean, of a match of the day uh, goal of a month competitions as well. You mean Badil and Skinner were didn't create that song on their own? No. <laughs> you can tell the 90s was shocking in places because people told Badil and Skinner they could sing. 
Especially Frank Skinner. Like, Frank Skinner, whenever he was on a show, would sing, and it's like, he couldn't hold a tune whatsoever. No, he really can't. The fucking night is, eh? Mr. Blobby, the Smurfs, the Woolpackers, Badil and Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> Anton Deck. <laughs> well, PJ oh, Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Getting ready to rumble. Anyway, let's go to the qualifiers. Yeah. Where, before they're about to launch off, Irvis told the qualifying time has changed once again to a minute flat. Yep. This is it. Don't get scared now. Yeah. Uh, and they managed to get down in... 59.46 seconds. Yes, I did five the time now. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the uh, leader of the East Germany team is perving at them from, from his hotel window with his binoculars. Yep. Weirdo. Then we get a, sh- a scene of them painting their sled the right colours, yep. whilst they're all drinking a nice, refreshing bottle of Coke. Uh, always Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that was the old <laughs> catchphrase. Then we get disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. But uh, this is the point where they name the sled Cool Runnings. Yes, they do. Which really annoyed me, because... Then it made me think, why did the French version of this film get called Rasta Rocket? I was half expe- I'd forgotten that they named the sled Cool Runnings. I mm. thought they were going to name it Rasta Rocket. Because in the French dub, they call it Rasta Rocket, probably. In uh, Rasta Rocket is actually the name of Sanka's um, pushcart at the beginning. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if they, they must have changed it and called it Rasta Rocket. Yeah, maybe they changed the name of Cool Runnings to, uh, from... Vasta Rockets cool runnings for the English version. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so they get a letter to say they're disqualified. So, John... Uh, yeah, it's John Candy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? John Candy. I forgot yeah. what his first name was then. Yeah. Uh, he crashes the meeting with the execs... Um, of the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, which is not a real thing. It is a real thing. Yeah, for this particular year, well, it was called something different, apparently. Oh, okay, right. I didn't I can't, realize that. I didn't. I didn't write it down, but, like... It, you know what? When it gets to a point where there's so much that could be right, but that isn't right in a film, where right. you just think that it's a bit lazy writing. Mm. Like, just when the names of things are slightly wrong. You get around copyright that way. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's a official committee you have to yeah. pay for. But yeah, they've changed the rules basically just to kick them out, haven't yeah, they? Yes, so yeah. In order to make the qualification we've just got through, they had to uh, qualify in their own national, international heats. Yeah. Um, which which they never, bollocks, yeah, yeah, they never had to before. Yeah, and this is the point where John Candy kind of points out that it's a room full of fucking whitey. Yeah, <laughs> bringing down the Jamaican team, uh, and he does a big impassioned speech, basically saying that they've earned the right to compete, which of course they have. Yeah, they've managed to get through all of the hoops they've put in front of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, and th- the thing I wrote here was, this is why you hire John Candy because mm. I thought like he's quite underutilized in this film. Most of the time, like yeah. he doesn't have very much to do, he's he's not particularly comic mm. as such. He's he he starts as a grumpy character and he's pretty grumpy throughout. Yeah, but he does lighten up. But... Yeah, he lightens up, but still he's quite subdued. But this is the sort of this is the this is the money shot for hiring a established actor. Yes, it is. Even though you know John Candy's not usually the best in uh, sort of straight. Acting, no, but it kind of works. Yeah, it does, and because it's a Disney film, the speech works. Like in real life, if someone gives a biggest passion speech, someone's tuned out after thirty seconds. But yeah, you know, 
a big inspirational speech. That's what does it. And of course, they're now back in. So yeah. again, good, good kind of Disney pacing where. One scene they're disqualified, the very next scene they're not disqualified. Yeah. So the tension's gone, but you know, yeah. it's better than dragging it out. Yeah, and then one scene, next scene, Junie's dad shows up, and then the next scene is gone again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, obviously I've just skipped ahead a bit, because uh, they go through the opening ceremonies, so we're seen by an international audience. Yeah. Because obviously they're the only representatives of Jamaica... At the whole At event. the whole games, because obviously it's the Winter Olympics. Yeah. yeah, so Dad rocks up and he's really pissed off and basically tells Junior he needs to sort his priorities yeah. out. He tells him that he's staying with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> but, but, but Junior finally stands up to him all the time whilst his boyfriend is uh, watching from the shadows. Yeah. And he's very proud of him. Um, and then finally, it's the day of uh, the Olympics. Day one of the day of the <laughs> Olympics. Yeah. And we get a little montage again of like shots of the Olympics actually yeah. happening. So, and there's some pin trading, Chris. I was going to say. So this is literally where Disney got their inspiration for their version of pin trading yeah. was the Olympics. Did you know that? I knew that there's a roaring trade for pin badges at the Winter Olympics. Yeah, so... Really weird one. And it is literally just a single shot in this film, isn't it? Yeah. We just see someone with the pins all laid out. Um, and Disney pin trading didn't start till the noughties, so yeah. it was a long while before they came up with the idea. But yeah, that's where it all started. Yeah. Shout out to Davey, uh, if you're listening. Get yourself to Winter Olympics. <laughs> so the uh, team's... All launch off and like the Swiss team are before the Jamaicans and like everything's so perfect. Wow, the Swiss. Yeah. Whoa. And then the Jamaicans go afterwards and it's a pretty poor first run. But importantly, they kind of try and mimic the Swiss team. They, they do, yeah. They they do the same sort of push off routine that they do, which is eins, zwei, drei. Yeah. Which uh, yeah is not how Swiss would pronounce that apparently. No, it was incredibly German. Yeah. <laughs> um, which which I struggled a lot of this film with figuring out when we were when it was the Swiss team and when it was the German team for this particular reason. I did. I I just put it all down to generic European. Yeah. So on the so we don't push off very well. The whoever was the third man didn't get into his car in a decent time. And this bit is based on Real life, because they yeah. start showing the actual footage from the Olympic Games. Yeah, they do, don't and they? And it's just not a good launch off us at all. And they come dead last. They're like a good three seconds behind everyone else. But it was 58 minutes and four. So even though they had a bad start, they still it's still their quickest time that we've seen them do. Yes, it so, is, yeah. So they play it as like a real yeah. downer. But I was like, there's, there's a silver line in there. yeah. I'd say they're not that many seconds behind that minute, despite the bad yeah. launch off to begin with. Yeah, and uh, Sanka kind of says that like we should fuck off doing this Swiss malarkey, and we should we should do it Jamaican style. Yeah. So for second day, they turn up yeah. in the back of a car, like singing their heads off. Yeah, they vastify it by a hundred percent. Yeah, and they all kiss that lucky egg. They do, and they they I'm, have their own little. I'm worried about that state of egg at this point. It's yeah. been a long time. That egg probably would have got a bit rotten by now. The amount of people that have kissed it, you could probably get glandular fever from it. Can do. But um, they've come up with their own little phrase, little ditty, before they 
kick off. They do. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsleigh time. I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> I had to because I would not have remembered it. Um, and yeah, they straight down, 56 second... 56.53. Yeah, uh, which puts them in eighth. So they're, yep. they're finally going the right way. Is this... Do we start here talk about their reality? Can do. Yeah, their, their second time wasn't that good either in real life. No. I think the second time was actually one minute something. Really? Yeah. But the reason they've put it as 5.6.53 here was because obviously they wanted to narratively have that chance, an outside chance to win a medal. That's but, it, isn't it? Yeah. But at this point, after the second one in reality, they had no chance. Right. Fair they, enough. They, they, they were dead last. Right. Yeah. For for the, for a film, you have to kind of increase the the <laughs> tension for the end. It wouldn't really make for a good film. It's like, yeah, they suck. Then they suck even more. And then they sucked a bit more and then we went home at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we go back to the hotel um, and Doris asks Candy why he cheated, and then he basically says that he had to win. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it tend that's kind of realistic because you do find even today like mm. plenty of scandals, don't you? And it's always yeah. the, the thing is if if your when, entire life is for a sport and you don't win, what do you do? Like yeah. it's uh, like when you achieve something and then you think, but can I do it more? Or can I do it again? Can I do it yeah. better next time? It's like me and my Twitter videos. <laughs> I spent months grinding away trying to beat my toes for that bill video and I finally did it. Chris, why did you post someone else's video? Because <laughs> I had to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, the third one, and yeah, this is like basically near the end of the film now, believe it or not. Yeah, we're nearly there. Yeah. And of the anticipations, uh, everyone's gone on board for Jamaican bandwagon. The commentators who were mocking them before wearing Jamaican t-shirts. Yep. Um, everyone's like in the bar, really excited. Junior's dad shows up in the bar, I think. We'll get onto that in a minute. A bit of massive confusion in a few minutes, but we'll get onto it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And... So, with this outside mirror chance, they go on their run. And they get a fast, fastest start they've ever had. Yep. And they're looking really good. And then that rusty old bobsled finally gives out on them. Yeah. Like the brake goes, and then, you know, they're fucked. They tip over. Yep. And, and uh, they they all break with their skulls, is what I they put. They do, yes. <laughs> and uh, everything falls to silence. The emergency team's running in. And we we get, ask again, Sank, are you dead? No, man. This time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a different. But they they stop the emergency team and they say that you know we're we're going to finish this run. We're going to cross the line. So they pick up the sled and they walk it funeral style. And we get us. a slow clap begins. I have been waiting for so long for one of these to appear. <laughs> I can't believe this is our first slow clap. I know. Even after like heavyweights and yeah. parent trap and yeah, uh, just like proper. And there's even East Germany clapping. You see the USA coaches yeah. clapping. And then there's Uncle Phil in the <laughs> crowd showing off his jumper. But wasn't he just in the bar in Jamaica? 
No. Do you know who was in the bar in the Jamaica? Who was it? The Olympic Committee chair. Oh, of course it was. Now, this is this is a bit of confusion that I had, which is we've got two um, grey-bearded older gentlemen that yeah. do have do look pretty similar. They do look very, very similar. And I had this... Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. In the bar in Jamaica is the committee guy. Dad has flown all the way back out to Canada mm. to show uh, his support for his son. He probably stayed. Yeah, he might have done. Maybe it is a holiday in Canada. You yeah. You go on like the... Uh, uh, down the slopes and all that, that way you And then, yeah, the guy from East Germany um, who's been racist to them earlier, he's happy and he's like, see you next year. Well, four years. Yeah, but he actually says, see you next year, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Um, and then finally, the part of this film that I've been looking forward to more than anything, um, Big Boy finally kisses Carlton. Yeah. And he actually does. He kisses him on the head, I think. Fantastic. But this is the... I genuinely think if this film had been made today, that would have been an actual gay romance. I wonder if you go on fanfiction.net, if that's still a thing, if there's fanfiction, well, slash fiction of them doing it. Well, I can tell you now, Chris, if there isn't currently... There will be soon. <laughs> Send your submissions into withoutamouse at gmail.com Yeah, and then finally we get confirmation that Lucky Egg is unharmed. Oh, fantastic. And then w- final shot of the film, a picture of the team goes up on the Olympic president's wall and that is the end of the film. Yep. And uh- I bloody love how quickly and succinctly this film finishes yeah it doesn't fart about we don't go back to a jamaica for a homecoming celebration we don't get you know seeing them having sponsorship deals or any of that shit we just end the film yeah i am just looking up now you're going to end up on a register in a minute i know i am i think there is actually there is cool running Slash fiction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's about Doris and Sanka, I'll be pissed off. No, unfortunately, I think it's uh, to do with... It's Doris and Uncle Irv, I think. Oh. oh, Uncle Irv, as he calls him, yeah. I'm going to have to look through this later on and... Uh... Have a wank. <laughs> 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 so anyway, yeah, that, that was cool runnings. So I, at the end, it says, you know, uh, Jamaica returned to the next Olympics and were treated as equals. Yeah, and I was expecting, you know, like um, most films, like at Apollo 13 or something, where you get a rundown, play-by-play of each character of what they went on to achieve. Oh, yeah. But of course, this film isn't based on real people. No, so they couldn't do that. It's not. So it is literally just a single screen that says that, you know, they came, they went on to compete next year. And stuff. Yeah. So... Uh, a quick bit of research. Um, so I think it was the same team that returned in 1992, was it? Hey, whatever, four years old. Oh, yeah. uh, or 1990, whatever the next Olympic year was. And uh, the Jamaicans actually qualified consecutively every single Winter Olympics after that. Fantastic. Up until they didn't qualify in 2006 or 2010, but then they did again in 2014. I saw that they had had a decent run of it, and um, they've some one of the um, more recent Bob Slade competitors um, had kind of said that he's so happy about the film coming out, and that the amount of support that they still have 
is you know pretty much down to this movie existing yes and that people wouldn't care about jamaica's bobsled otherwise so yeah yeah um i think it's like the same people competed for the time after that and then it's obviously gone down to like different people since then yeah uh which is really cool they've never really come close to winning any medals though um, but it's not what it's about, is it? I mean, technically it is. <laughs> um, the first few times we just shut the bed and like came up almost towards bottom. Uh, they've like come mid table out of a field of like twenty six. I think it is. I think we've had a couple of like thirteen, fourteen, fifteenth place finishes, and yeah. I, I mean, I, they didn't qualify for last year's one, but hopefully they'll be back in twenty twenty two, and we'll see what goes on there. And then maybe we can w- w- uh, review Cool Runnings 2. Yeah! Colon Raster Rocket. Yes. <laughs> also to note, uh, this is the last film that was released while John Candy was still alive. Yes, it was the last film released while he was alive. He had worked on another feature. He when worked he died. on Canadian Bacon, which yeah. was Michael Moore's only fiction film and he works on another one which is sort of a western which apparently got 0% on Rotten Tomatoes can't remember the name of it now oh wow yeah um, not made mention of it but he was a big bug at this point yeah pretty big he was wide he was a chunk on top of another chunk and you know he died of a heart attack at the age of 43 there's this weird thing about that I think about American fat people in the 80s especially in films they have a way of being absolutely huge, but not looking fat. Yeah. It's Do you know what I mean? One. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say you don't think, oh, bloody hell, he's a... you're not thinking underneath all his clothes, all sorts of flabs going on. You just think of him just this big ball. But then at the same time, he's got like a 70-inch waist or something daft yeah, like yeah. that. But he doesn't l- technically look fat. It's oh, like, weird. It would be like, there'd just be like 30 stone or something like that. He's proportioned. It's weird. <laughs> Final thoughts then. Um, uh, I'll go first if you want. Can do. Uh, absolutely love this film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The easiest watch of this podcast so far. It was just good fun. Um, there's no pretension behind it. I assume if I watched a load of these inspirational sports films in a row, I might get a bit sick of it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, Really good. Definitely took me back to those repeat showings on a Saturday afternoon on TV. Yeah. So, how about you? I absolutely the same. Um, I haven't seen this film a lot growing up, but I was really glad to watch it this time. Loved every second of it. There's, it's kind of the best way you could have made this film. Mm. There's nothing extra it needed. There's nothing you want to take out of it. It's just good. Just mm. really good. Um, right length. All the plot is nice and easy to follow. Looks really well filmed for what it is. Like everything, as we've said, was really colourful, especially the bits in Jamaica. Can't really fault it in any way. Mm. So, yeah. So, good sure. choice, Chris. I'm glad you. glad you did this. Oh, and also, this was when it came out. It was the most um, financially successful live action Disney film to date. Oh, right. I didn't even realize that. So, and I can absolutely see why. I mean, it's clearly following a very set formula, but yeah. it follows it perfectly. 
So what you're saying is that we should expect a CGI remake with photorealistic rasters yeah. anytime soon. Probably, because let's face it, it was in the 90s and everything in the 90s is cool again. Yeah, so. being regurgitated. Maybe there'll be new Coke in it as well. Oh, brilliant. If the uh, Stranger Things stock doesn't sell. Mm. So, shall we give out some gems then? Yeah. Do you want to go first? I do want to go first, because I know if I don't go first, I'll chicken out with my number I'm giving it. Okay. Because you'll talk me out of it. You'll talk me down from this hill. Well, I think I wrote mine down, so I can't do the same. Yeah, me too. So, my gemage is nine and a half. And a half? Yeah. Bloody hell. Well... Here's here's my reasoning for going into halves, Chris. We have like four films that have the mm. same score, yeah. so we need to sort of get these varied out. So I'm going nine and a half. I'll give it forty-eight out of fifty. <laughs> okay, then. Um, I don't go for halves. I'm all about it, black and white with me. Just whole numbers. Okay. Uh, I'm going nine. Yep, absolutely fair enough. Yep. So that probably makes it the best. Rated film so far. Yeah, that goes straight to the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. And deservedly so. Da, 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 <laughs> no, da, Chris, da, no. Da, <laughs> We're only doing that every 10 episodes. We're not oh. fannying about each time. Well, okay. So, where can people find you on the Tinterweb if they want to? Oh, shit. No, we need to talk about what we're doing next. Oh, yes, we do. So, we've got a very special episode next. We're going to have our very first guest. On the show. Hooray! So, does it Kirsty count as a guest? Uh, no, she's co-host of a spin-off. That doesn't count as a guest. Okay. Um, so it's my good friend Grace Ormsby, who is a massive Disney fan, so that should be a pretty good episode. And so technically it's my pick of episodes, yep. um, but I've let Grace pick, and she has picked The Princess Diaries. Okay. Which is a film that I've only seen once before. If that, I don't really remember it. I uh, can't say I've ever seen it. It's one that Kirsty really likes, and I have a feeling she's made me watch it, and I probably just spent all the time on Facebook rather than watching it. So okay. just close that window before the cat jumps out of it. Okay, I will do. Oh, for God's sake. I mean... She literally jumped out of that window re- recently and hasn't learnt a lesson. Oh, and now Chris has hurt himself on the bed. Medic. Medic. <laughs> What'd you do, stub your toe? Nope, bang my knee. Oh, even worse. Uh, no, I, I've never seen Princess Diaries. I think it came out in 2001. And at that point, I was like into boy things. <laughs> like new metal. And being angry. And men in their pants hitting each other. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So where can people find you on Tintweb? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KidSwole. Yep. I also started a blog again for some reason, even though Ooh. it's 2019, and I bought the domain com. Nice. <laughs> don't know why. So, so, so go visit that. I'm, I don't even know why I started it. I just thought I'd start one, see where it takes me. Fair enough. I'll yeah. go and check it out. Yep. And uh, where can we find you, Tim? So... Somewhere, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, on Twitter, I am currently at TimblesRH. And we do have a official Instagram account, which is at without a mouse. But unfortunately, our Twitter account is currently blocked. So I'll figure some shit out and we'll tell you where to go then. At ParentTrap411. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Or without a mouse, but with the O's spelt with zeros. <laughs> Rasta Rocket. Someone will have that one. Let me... Now, we've done enough yeah. checking on our phones this episode. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Bye! Bye.
Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House. Theme tune by Ether Orr.